Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into a post-game reaction episode. A of somber Batter post-game Up. reaction. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's never fun to, to kind of come in after a postseason Braves game and witness what we did. Caleb Johnson in with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe, just kind of off the top, give me your initial thoughts of what you saw tonight. The thing, well, let me just say the thing that is terrible about postseason baseball is that when you lose a game like this, it's like the sky is falling. It's very yeah. hard to like see any sort of optimism in anything. Yeah. Uh, especially when the Braves are go like so cold and the heart of the order just really doesn't do anything for the whole game. And of course we kind of knew that that was going to be somewhat the case when you're going up against a guy who's probably going to win the Cy Young this year, but Did we? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, we always expected this to be like a pitch, you know, a battle of starting pitchers. Uh, maybe you didn't, I don't know, but um, you know, it was, uh, it was just a frustrating game to watch just because we were talking about this just a second before we jumped on, but like not really a whole lot, happened you know charlie morton ended up giving up a a a barreled you know homer that was the only barreled barrel that he gave up during the whole game and it went out and really kind of cost the braves and i I feel bad for him because you know he should have gotten the support and and uh we'll talk about it all the kind of the blunders that happened in the first inning and everything but it's just really it's a it feels like a sad sad state of affairs right now when uh, a game transpires like that yeah, I think for starters, let, let's go here. This is something you and I were briefly talking to each other before we went live is just strictly from a baseball perspective. This was not a good game. Like this yeah. was not a the entertaining product, the 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 uh, Red Sox and Yankees that mm-hmm. we got the other night. Like this isn't the, this isn't even. Red Sox and Rays a night ago with Randy Rosarena like sliding in yeah, all like yeah, you know yeah. just like all this sort of bang bang action and it's completely the the the, the end of the game was completely opposite of of how I think this game was starting out I mean I mean you literally right. open this game with the guy who I I think many would probably say was the better starting pitcher in the matchup in Corbin Burns giving up two walks, you get a pass ball situation. Like you, you've got runners at the corners for the Braves to score some early runs. And all it took was one swing for that to be just completely just, you know, deadened what the Braves were doing. I mean, I can't really uh, fault too much. Uh, uh, Ozzy Albies right there hitting into the double play to start things off, but that it, it just went from such a, a, 
high stress moment where you were like, wow, this kid Corbin is like, he's about to let this thing get out of hand right off the bat. Uh, And instead completely opposite. And he gets the double play and you can see it in his face that he's like, oh, we got this now. And I was like, oh, all righty. It was probably the biggest start of Corbin's career, right? And you felt like the Braves had a chance there early in the game to really take advantage of maybe some nerves or some yeah. anxiety that he may have had, maybe just excitement from that moment and that, you know, strike the, zone. The, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, take no advantage doubt. of it. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, like Ozzy Albies, you know, you just, you hit the ball and, but you know, I'll be curious to see. And I, I hope um, some of the reporters ask about what happened there with the uh, Jorge Soler trying to score on that play, because it certainly didn't seem like one that you were ever going to successfully score on, you know, like, I, I just don't understand what the, uh, unless like he was just always going, I don't know. I don't know what the kind of, the game plan was there, but yeah, it was kind of, that was why it was disheartening also was because it just felt like that was an unnecessary uh, risk to take in that moment. Um, you may have, they may have turned a double play, you know, at, for, at first and second uh, in that scenario too, but um, uh, it was just very kind of dispiriting, but then, you know, the, the, the Braves still worked Corbin again, the next inning, and he was through 40 pitches through two innings. And it really felt to me like it was going to, they were going to actually have an opportunity to get court, to get Burns out of the game relatively early. Uh, and they still, I would say they actually kind of did force him out early in the end, but really True. in the, yeah. in the innings after that second inning, I mean, they were just going down. They, it's like they turned flipped the switch or something and decided to get really aggressive. And, uh, and at what he, I mean, I think they were through, they, it took them 40 pitches to get through the first two innings and like 23 pitches to get through the next three innings after that. And so it was just like a, a clear change in an, I don't know, approach, or maybe, you know, he was maybe just throwing more strikes that the Braves had to swing at, but that first inning and Brian Snicker said it during one of the, uh, you know, between inning uh, interviews that he did with the TV broadcast, which is that it felt like a, a missed opportunity for the team there. And the playoffs, when you miss opportunities like that, it usually does come back to bite you. And especially when you're going up against a pitcher like Burns. Joe, I'll I'll ask this because this is something that has obviously been an issue for the Braves postseason wise the last it, I mean certainly the last couple of years is getting into the postseason and then all of a sudden going cold. I feel like in years past you you saw it coming, uh, whereas maybe they didn't finish the regular season very strong. And so things just kind of fizzled out and you wondered if like, well, maybe this never picked back up. But for this year, it seemed like the Braves offensively were just as strong as ever, maybe outside of like Dansby Swanson, who, who's been struggling or, or was during the month of, of September. Uh, but I mean, did you honestly expect this level of, even with a, as solid of a pitcher as Corbin Burns, did you expect this level uh, of ineptitude from, from the Braves offense? Well, yeah, I mean, I think this may be something we're going to disagree about. Like, I mean, I fully expected this to be this type of game. Like, I, I, I expected this to kind of unfold. I mean, Cor- Corbin Burns is, if he doesn't come first in the NL Cy Young, he's going to come second. Like, he's been mm-hmm. incredible this year. Uh, and you just, again, that's where you come back to. It felt like um, in the ear- early in the game, like you were going to have a chance to actually do some damage on him um, and you just didn't get it done. But, you know, I, I think that, it did kind of play out how, well, at least I envisioned it. I, I think tomorrow is probably going to be very similar too. You have two more really good starting pitchers going against each other. Uh, and I think it's going to be kind of a cagey kind of game like that. Uh, I'm just l- looking through the comments. Justin Simmons kind of 
disagreeing with us about it being a good game. Of course, I mean, it was a good game by the score and the closeness of it and everything like that. It was kind of, uh, it was interesting for that in that respect. But I think what we're talking about is just, it wasn't like, there wasn't like a lot of like dynamic play on the field one way or yeah. another, you know, for either team. It was gr- two great pitching performances, but, and, and that kept the game close, but um, it wasn't, ju- it was like, there's not like a whole lot on our sheet that we had notes that we were making notes on during the game. Cause it was just like each team was just kind of mowing the other teams down um but yeah i don't know that's kind of that's kind of how i felt about it what do you think about charlie morton in this game because there's been kind of a lot of consternation about and especially with brian snicker like should he have pulled him out earlier all that stuff look uh to that point i will i will give bo morgan uh producer for for 92.9 on dukes and bell uh, i'll give him a ton of credit he tweeted out right towards the end of the game that look for everyone complaining that oh Snit should have pulled Charlie Morton before the seventh. Those same people would have been complaining if, you know, in years past when Brian Snicker would pull right. guys <laughs> in the fifth inning. Yeah. Um, now, in the same light, I, under, I understand the skepticism. I understand the criticism because guess what? That's all you have. I mean, Dave Roberts in LA, like they won a World Series, but that man almost got fired before he even reached that point in LA because decisions that he made, which were make or break didn't work out for the, for the Dodgers in the past before they won last year. Uh, so in, in the same respect with snip, like, yeah, you're, you're not going to like the decision. We actually praised snip. Uh, you and I did earlier in the year and a lot of brace fans did because snip had this whole process of going to guys late in the game and saying, you got another one in you, or are you done? And looking the pitcher in his eyes and seeing, hey, are, you know, does this guy have it or not? Now, hindsight, and in the moment, I will say this, in the moment, that the way that sixth inning went, the way that Charlie Morton was so concerned about pitching over to first, mm-hmm. uh, completely took him out of his game. And I thought because of that high level of stress, yeah, Snit's probably going to pull him. Uh, and then he didn't. And yeah. I mean, I, I, I you could ahead, see, you, you could see he was like, he was losing the ball. He was losing pitches to the arm side. He almost hit, I forget who it was, but he, he kind of like grazed his, <laughs> the brim of his batting helmet uh, yeah. at one point. Well, and uh, then almost but, hit the one guy. Yeah. Well, and I, and I was about to say, and, and after he did that, like you see him, like, he like bent yeah, over. Like, yeah, yeah. Of, it's like of in have, distress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's yeah. one of those like, like, I, I don't want to bring this back to like in a too much of a light way, but like it's a Jacob Webb sort of scenario where I mean it, he didn't hit him, but you mm-hmm. saw that level of stress on mm-hmm. him. And I would have thought limited, you know, just take him out. Uh, but I mean, but then fair enough, like. Luke Jackson came in and really kind of tightened me up. Yeah, I mean, made me feel <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Can you so, imagine? Can you imagine if Luke Jackson came in and did that after, like, before if if the game if you know you pulled Charlie Morton or Ng earlier and he had pitched six six scoreless, oh, absolutely. and then uh, the, the same <laughs> and then, like Luke Jackson com- goes out there and gets in trouble. Yeah, yeah, the same people complaining now would be complaining about that. I 
I, I will I say, I, I, I don't disagree with what Snicker did, but I do think that when you're managing a playoff series like this, you can look at some of those moments and think, well, okay, let's think about the, the game theory here. We could actually get Charlie Morton out of this game now, take the six scoreless innings, and then have him a lot fresher than he might otherwise be for to start in a potential game four down the line in the series. I, it still seems like he might be available to do that because he didn't end so. up, he didn't end up pitching. He didn't, I think he only threw 84 pitches or something in this yeah. game. So um, I think it's still unlikely also that he would uh, start that ser- start that game. I think maybe he would do it if it, if the Braves series is on the line, if the series is on the line. Um, but I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. And we probably should talk at some point. I was point just about, about the, to say, yeah. Well, well I- Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a perfect segue into talking about the roster. Yeah, that's what which, which, first off, am I just crazy that I feel like the Braves postseason roster normally comes out earlier? Or, yeah. or am I? It came out right at the deadline this time, and I feel like sometimes it gets in, it comes in before, but maybe Major League Baseball was holding it out or something for the debt. For yeah, I don't, I don't know. Time. It just seems like, well, it, at least last year, maybe last year was just an odd year of at least you and I, we had a chance to talk about the postseason roster, I feel like, before the actual game. I don't know mm-hmm. how everything aligned, but that just seemed a bit uh, odd to me that I was like, yeah, it was at the last minute. And some very eye-opening uh, decisions being made. You and I spoke earlier this week about how we thought that postseason roster was going to look, and it shocked us both in a couple of places. Um I, I guess the 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 pitching side of things, um, no Rich Rodriguez, which yep. you and I we, talked. We talked about that not being not being a certain a lock. Yeah, it could be a real reality. Chris Martin was, I think, the 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 less surprising, or maybe maybe you felt differently about well, that. Well, to, to me, I thought that he definitely shouldn't be on, but yeah. I thought for certain he would be on because like a snit, you know, the snit thing, but yeah, that didn't, that didn't happen. And a lot well, of people were saying like, this is snit didn't even build this, this roster. Well, like this is built by somebody else because no, that, that's what like I, that. yeah. I, I think I texted you earlier today and I was like, this doesn't feel like a Brian sticker roster. Like this, mm-hmm. this feels like Alex Anthopoulos had a heavy hand. Uh, and it, and it seemed like maybe, I don't, I don't want to like put it on the like analytics, but that was more involved than Snit being like, no, these are my guys. These are the guys that I trust uh, because you've got guys on this roster who have never been, or you've got a guy who's never been a part of this team before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a guy who, when I, I when I saw his name, I was like, uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just want to, I was like, I forgot the Braves. Um, and, and now I'm blanking on his name. Dylan Lee. Is that who no. you're thinking of? Oh, no, no, no. Ter- Terrence Gore on the Terrence other side. Gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, so Dylan Lee was a very surprising one because was- we had spent so much time talking mm-hmm. about how, well, you know, Strider was, he was the fresh new, th- you know, toy. And, and why bring him up for that last series unless you're going to bring him onto the postseason roster? You know, like, I think that uh, well, was kind of the idea. Yeah, I guess they wanted to get a look at him. Um, yeah. I mean, they also brought Dylan Lee up, but I don't know what I was going to yeah. get at. You know, I didn't <laughs> well, know what I to mean, expect out of that. Yeah, I mean, it was surprising for me because Dylan Lee is left-handed and this team is just really starved for right-handed uh, pitchers in that bullpen. Uh, really, you only have Luke Jackson's kind of the one you really can rely on uh, to like come in at least, well, you can rely on at least like for with a guy like Spencer Strider. 
guys don't have as much of a scouting report on them. They've never seen them before. You know, you maybe maybe able to run them out there and uh, surprise somebody. Although with like the new rules in place, you can't actually like, just like bring them in for like a one, you know, to face one batter or something to get yeah. you out of an inning and get a strikeout or whatever. So there are some kind of, you know, different decisions you got to make taking that into account, but it was surprising. And I think that, you know, when you look at the bench players uh, that, you know, on this roster, you know, we, we saw a couple of them involved tonight. Obviously Jock Peterson comes in and scores the only run for, for the Braves with, with the solo Homer in the eighth inning. That was nice to see power of the yeah. pearls. Uh, he's a bad bitch. Um, but then, uh, you know, Orlando Arcia came in, for, you know, for that last at bat. And uh, I texted you during the at bat. <laughs> I, I was, was like, there's, there's, there's no way he's getting doing anything here. I mean, he almost he was almost swinging at every pitch, including ones that were like a foot off the plate and bouncing, you know, bouncing like a, a couple of feet in front of the plate. It, it was not pretty. And uh, yeah. Why? Well, out of the options that the Braves had there. Um, I mean, is Heredia the the guy that you would have gone towards instead of Arcia? I, I just or was that it seemed like that was a true uh, Smith looking for are, are looking to play uh, more baseball. Yeah. Like, you know that like that wasn't a that wasn't necessarily the desperation move that maybe others would have made to make sure you scored a run to get you to continue playing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that Brian Snicker has uh, his reasoning for doing so. I'm, I bet he'll talk about it in the post-game press conference. If he hasn't uh, already, if anybody has seen that, you can just let us know in the comments as to like why he uh, made that decision to, to bat Arcia there, especially over Heredia. But I, you know, I just like Heredia because he's just a guy that I've seen before more. Like, I don't know. I don't have any like stats in front of me to like make a, a solid reasoning behind this, but, uh, or Arcia just didn't really, um, he's not a guy I would have expected to come in in that situation. And yeah. then seeing him in that situation made me feel way worse about it, which is what I kind of made up my mind, which is always, that's like classic baseball. You know, it's like, I'm a baseball fan and I uh, judge decisions uh retrospectively with you know hindsight's 2020 and that's the thing about baseball like tactical decisions and baseball so many of them at least from like a fan's perspective are just like kind of like either or like you either do pull charlie morton or you don't at a certain point and it's very easy to like look back and be like oh well you you should have made the other you should have chose b instead of a uh yeah. in in this situation but yeah i mean i i don't know if many people were excited to see arcia in with the game on the line there was because um, I've seen a lot of people talk about it in in the comments. Um, do you think the Solaire going home is that a him decision? Are you putting more on him or more on Ron Washington there? Right, right. Was that a little too uh, wishful thinking? You know, too too aggressive in that moment. Yeah, I don't. That's what I don't know. You know, I don't. I, I don't know who. I mean, I do think it was too aggressive in that moment. I, I would not have tried to score in that instance. But you know, it almost seemed like such a bang bang play that they they had a plan set up even before the ball was hit. Like you know, just like you're running on contact here, um, and I would not have done that. And maybe maybe Solaire did just decide to go for it. I don't know. But uh, well, I mean, that, I get- again, that first inning was really costly. Yeah, the only the only thing that came back to me as far as like uh, I don't know giving it reason is, I mean it's it's not like uh, what is it Narvaez? It's not like he was having a great inning. <laughs> uh, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, with the pass ball and everything. So I kind of wonder too, if part of the risk there was, is he even going to be able to collect the ball or is he going to mishandle it and kind of panic in that moment? That was just, right. that was the only yeah. part of it that, it did require a solid play, you know, like a clean, yeah. a clean. I mean, actually, the throw wasn't totally clean. It kind of bounced in front of the plate, but I mean, it, it was good enough, I guess. Uh, the strike zone for you seemed like, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, not that anyone's disgraceful. Gonna, yeah. Um, is is that part of too why you think this game ended up like it did? Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, for sure. Um, when you have a strike zone like that, you're going to have a game that's pretty low scoring. You're going to have a lot of strikeouts. You're going to have hitters kind of flummoxed because they don't, they're second guessing, um, you know, what is a ball and what is a strike. And obviously you're just going to have more strikes called that, that are not very hittable. So uh, yeah, I definitely think that that impacted the game. Uh, I did see somebody in the comments ask, why not, why not just leave Rosario out there uh, to face hater? Um, Rosario is not very good against left lefties. I mean, when you look at his OPS, he's OPSing 651 against left-handed hitters this year. Of course they could have, you know, that, that definitely would have been an option. Honestly, I feel like I rather would have had Rosario hit there, uh, instead of Arcia. If, if that's the option, if that was the option, um, again, maybe the numbers were telling them that Arcia was the better play there, but you just seeing Arcia in the box. And again, this is kind of retrospectively, but just once he got in, stepped in the box, he just didn't look very comfortable in there at all. Um, well, and, and I think part of it too, uh, and, and you know, this is when I would expect Brian Sticker to think outside of the numbers is you've also got Orlando Arcia coming back to face the Brewers, like face the very team that he was right. a part of a season ago, which you could say doesn't matter much, but there's just an added level of, of pressure. And, but then just the obvious, which was optically, you could see him, you know, in the batter's box. Right. Terrified. Yeah. You're in headlights. Terrified. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, you want you speaking of terrified, you want to hear a terrifying stat? Uh, the Braves, I don't, I don't the Braves know that I are do. three and 17 when they drop the opening game in a playoff series. That what came from Maria Martin from uh, 11 alive tonight. Um, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. How, how are you feeling right now? Like, are, do, are, how, what, what, I don't know, like confidence level or just kind of. So, weird. so here's the thing I, I realized, uh, as we were getting ready to go live that normally I feel like I think about my wardrobe choices of the day. Uh, so I'm, I'm wearing a, a Hawks believe Atlanta ah. playoff t-shirt. Uh, I don't know how much I believe right now. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, the, the type of offensive performance you, like you say, you, we should have expected that, um, with this type of pitching matchup, but to only score one First off, I, I think more of it was not even the, the runs scored, but the fact that you only had four hits yeah. in the entire game. Yeah. Uh, like the fact that Milwaukee two of them came really late. Two of them came yeah. in the last two innings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Milwaukee is at least, I mean, as far as I can see, the the lesser talented offensive team. Doesn't matter that yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. they've got Christian Yelich. Uh, but the fact that you you know, ha- only have four hits 
in, in this game, that's worrisome. Like that, that really concerns me. It, it makes me think that, you know, kind of the same old Braves are back uh, that, that this moment, you know, kind of becomes too big. I hope there's a rallying point. Um, but I think part of it too, and this was a comment I saw in, in the, the comments uh, for this is that uh, not having a clutch player. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I guess you can um, technically count what Jock Peterson did as coming in clutch, um, but you needed something else. Like you needed one of your your regulars. Uh, you needed a. I mean, uh, you know, for for Freddie to have this kind of night for Austin, you know, all of them. Like it's just a makes me very uncomfortable yeah. for this series, even though. Um, you know, it's next, always next game has got got Max Freed. It's always concerning to me in these playoff scenarios when the team comes out and just looks as anemic as they were offensively. And again, going against great pitcher, no doubt about it. So sure. you got to take that into account. But when they when they when they look that poor coming off of that break, you know, coming off of not having played in what has it been five days. Yeah. Uh, since they played on Sunday. Um, you just wonder, I do at least, I worry that, you know, maybe you like lost some sort of momentum or feeling um, because you're not having that kind of regular, regular experience. Now they were playing simulated games and stuff. They were facing off against Max Free. They were facing off against Ian Anderson during these off days. So it's not like they weren't, they were just like sitting on the couch, not doing anything. Uh, but there's something about replicating the experience of playing in a game and especially a game like that, where you, I mean, you could see that Milwaukee crowd crowd. I, I tweeted, I give him credit for kind of rattling the umpire because I really do yeah. think that they had him kind of, they were getting the benefit of, of a lot of the, those strike zone, uh, his poor strike zone. I think that he was kind of fueling that crowd a bit. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That That's just what gives me a little bit of worry. What's uh, what's your bright spot of looking forward to game two? Well, my bright spot is that, you know, you got Max Fried going tomorrow. And of course, we, like, we all know what Max Fried is. And especially like this second half of the season, he has been up there amongst the, the, the Cy Young contenders in, ter- just in terms of his performance uh, over this period of time. Like his, his top line numbers aren't as good when you stack him up against those guys because he got off to such a poor start. But like, what is April and May doing? Like what that, that means nothing at this point in the season. What, what, what really matters is, your your current form and and he is in great form and not only that but um the brewers are absolutely terrible uh, against left-handed starters i mean like they're as a team they ops i think 648 against uh in games when against when a left-handed starter pitches so um i think it sets up really well for them i do think it will be another kind of game similar to this i don't know if the score will be as low but i do think it will be a game against brandon woodruff where the runs are going to be hard to come by for both teams. And it's going to be one of those kind of nail biting games again, but I do have a lot of confidence that the Braves can come out and, you know, just have a chance to win at least. And I, I guess like that's for me um, another kind of, if you, if you want to look at this optimistically, they gave themselves a chance to actually win the game or, or at least tie it in that last inning, you know, like, I mean, despite the fact that they made some mistakes, um, they didn't make a ton of mistakes. They just made some crucial ones uh, at the wrong times, but I have every confident, a bit of confidence that they can come back and win this thing tomorrow. And if they come back to Atlanta, one, one feeling pretty good about that. I think. 
Yeah, well, it's <laughs> better than O2. Well, that, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yes, it's a yeah. terrible thing about playoff baseball. It's like you lose one game, especially the first game in a short series, and it feels so bad. I think that's it. I think it's the first one. Honestly, flip this and Braves win game one, lose game two, but get to come home. Uh, I think you feel completely different. It's just flipping Maybe this you might, and, yeah. and, and going into the uncertainty of game two. Because if you go into, you know, lose game two uh, and then you're coming home and kind of like fighting for your life at that point uh, is, is not a position that any of us uh, as Braves fans at least want to be in. You think Jock Peterson gets into the to the lineup against Woodruff? Maybe. I mean, the, the Braves have kind of rotated this outfield all year long. And so and and I feel like Brian Snicker has just tended to kind of ride the hot hand and stuff. So I think that he might, um, you know, I would say I think that he's probably the worst out defender of the four outfield. Well, aside from maybe Jorge Soler, but you're not you're not going to remove is between Jock Peterson and Eddie Rosario at this point. Right. Yeah. Do we, we agree? So, um, sure. But I would like to see it. I mean, to me, Jock Peterson is a guy who has all that playoff experience from his time with the Dodgers like. I want to see more Jock Peterson, not less, you know? Yeah. And I mean, uh, there's like, call it superstition or not. There's some, you know, there's power in the pearls. Like there's something yeah. about that. I just, I, uh, I like the quirkiness. I like the uh, different aspect to it. And, and hopefully uh, I'm hoping to see Jock in the lineup tomorrow and, and hopefully he can help the Braves uh, pull out a win and, and bring this thing back home. I, I would just add, you, you talk about them, just like you, you talk about the pearls or whatever, but really it is kind of the the little bit of, I hate this word, but like the swagger that he, like, just like, mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of personality in a playoff setting is something that can really kind of help everybody. Uh, you can just yeah. like help the whole team well, and kind of give you an air of like that confidence again that you have when you're playing in regular season games and you're on a run. And think about it. The Braves need that right now because you don't have Ronald Acuna. Mm -hmm. You don't have Marcelo Zuna. And those were two guys who not only produced offensively, obviously, but they had that like added they, element. They keep you loose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that carries over into game two. Anything else you want to get to, Joe, before we get out of here? No, I think that's a pretty good recap. We'll be back after every every game that the Braves play this whole postseason. Hopefully it goes all the way to the World Series, but we'll be right here on Facebook Live for all these. Good. All right. Well, for my co-host, Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Batter Up Reaction. Like you said, we'll be back for game two tomorrow night. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.